today But it was long ago Janie was lovely, she was a queen of my night There in the darkness with the radio Playing low end And the secrets that we share The mountains that we move Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And what a historic podcast you're about to hear. Historic, because on the podcast today, we have three-time state championship coach and the only Ohio high school head football coach to lead two different schools to state titles. Today, we have the legendary, and the legend is still growing, the legendary Tom Lombardo. You will find this podcast very insightful and a lot of fun. Speaking of legends in history, make sure you're following my podcast. The Chris Williams Podcast Hour can be found on social media. On both IG and Twitter, it can be found at the Chris Will Pod and on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. On to the podcast. But before I do, we can't forget about our sponsor, Yes Pallets. Yes Pallets. The pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer obsessed service first. They can upscale at a moment's notice and remove the barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. Thank you for joining us and on to the historic coach Tom Lombardo, who went against the wind and did things his way. This is the Chris Williams Podcast hour we will now do the national anthem but you needn't rise and now the end is near and so i face the final curtain my friend i'll make it clear I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full, traveled each and every highway. More, more than this, I did it my way. Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, and today I have one of the best high school coaches in the state of Ohio, no, the country. He is a three-time state championship coach and the head coach of the most dominant high school program in the state of Ohio, and arguably the most dominant high school program in the country. He led the Eagles to state titles in 2015 and 2018. Please, welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour the leader and head coach of the Mighty Green Machine of St. Edward High School, Coach Tom Lombardo. Coach Lombardo, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chris. And uh, let, let, me, uh, let me add my own introduction as one of the, as maybe one of the best running backs to ever graduate uh, from St. Edward back in uh, 1987. The 86 season was legendary in a, a playoff run and. uh uh, they fell short of their first state title uh, back then, uh, which would have been our first in 86, uh, 21-20. But 
you know, Chris obviously had a had, you know, his, leg- his legendary around here, and guys especially my age uh, remember that that playoff run that was just awesome. So glad to be on it, glad I could help, and uh, glad to just catch up with you. Yeah, you too, Coach. And again, I appreciate that. But remember, this is all about you. This is not about me. So, but I, 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 I totally appreciate that plug. So, and I am about shameless plugs. So, again, thank you for coming on and taking the time to come on the podcast and sharing your story. So, and as I tell my guests, this won't work unless you're willing to share and take part in some shameless plugs by bragging about your remarkable career. All right. Sounds good. So, all right. So. Coach, I honestly admit that I'm not as well-versed on your career prior to the super success that you had at St. Ed, so I'm a bit of a fanboy now. So let's start by learning about your background, where you grew up, and what was your family like, and, and all that kind of stuff. It got you into coaching. Yeah, uh, you know, that that's uh, great. You know, I, I grew up on the east side of Cleveland. Uh, my family's originally from an Italian-American uh, neighborhood, uh, Collinwood, uh, which is uh, – uh, right b- between like 152nd and 158th Street, uh, right off the shoreway. Uh, okay. I went down to uh, I, I went to grade school uh, down there till third grade, and then uh, we moved to Mayfield uh, Heights, where I finished uh, grade school at St. Francis, and then Gilmore Academy for high school, which is another Holy Cross school. Uh, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and uh, there's three in the Northeast Ohio area, so there's St. Ed's. Uh, Gilmore and Akron Hoban. So they're all uh, founded by the Brothers of Holy Cross, almost all around the same age, too. So I'm well versed uh, in, in, at St. Ed's in terms of, you know, uh, what the mantras and what the pillars and, and, and what the what Holy Cross brothers feel important. We had we had a bunch of brothers from the Holy Cross there that ended up some coming to St. Ed's. In fact, our, the president of uh, or the headmaster of Gilmore was a grad of St. Ed's. Uh, our priest at the time, Father Blazik, was still there, was a grad of St. Ed's. Uh, was at St. Okay. S for a long time, so uh, th- that's pretty cool. And uh, then, then went on to um, I played three sports in high school. I uh, I played uh, football, uh, basketball, and baseball. Uh, I, I even believe it or not, I didn't play basketball. It was a small school, so I actually wrestled uh, my first year. I was real small. I was like a hundred pounds, hundred five pounds my freshman year in high school, and I wasn't going to play anything in the winter. And the, one of the football coaches was that wrestling coach, like. Why, why don't you come off wrestle? I said, I've never wrestled before. I don't know, I, you know, I, I don't know anything. He's like, that's all right. You know, so I remember I, I'd won my first, uh, my, won my first three matches, and I thought I was the best wrestler in the school until I lost all the rest of them. So, <laughs> you know, you started oh, wow. going, it was a d- dumb luck to start. But, uh, yeah, yeah. so I, I did that for a year. Then I, then I went back to, you know, to kind of playing hoops, which I probably should have, you know, done in the first place. And, uh, I, I, you know, ended up then playing baseball at, uh, in college. Uh, for a couple years until I, I got into coaching. I went to John Carroll, uh, played, uh, you know, played baseball there, but then started coaching basketball, actually. And a uh, little-known fact is I was a head basketball coach at, at 24 years old at university school, and I was the head coach there for uh, for four years. And, in fact, after my first year, Coach uh, Eric Flannery and I came down to the finalists for the job that he ended up getting when our president, Jim Kabaki, was the uh, was the principal of the school. So... <laughs> That's uh, uh, I I I have I still have a note. So I tell people that uh, you know I tell obviously they made the right choice uh, in Flan. But the the point is uh, you know back then obviously I had Logan and 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 that whole crew and and went on to win their yes. first state title in basketball. So uh, I was that basketball coach for you know four years until at 27 my father-in-law 
uh, John Gibbons, who was head coach at Lake Catholic, uh, he took the job here as the head football coach in 99. And mm-hmm. Lake Catholic ended up calling me up and uh, asking if I'd be interested in the job, the AD Sam Calacaro, who I'd gotten an oath through my father-in-law, really going on like a lot of football clinics with them. I had some success as a head coach in basketball, but I was an assistant in football. And one thing led to another. I became the head coach at Lake Catholic in 1999. And, uh, we, you know, we won a state championship in 2001. Uh, went on to Highland High School, which was a public uh, a school for eight years, and then got, got a chance to come back to St. Ed's here as the head coach. So uh, I, I believe in coaching uh, that I, I, I am, which I would shock me to hear, but uh, – the only coach to win uh, a state championship at two different schools since 19, since uh, the, the playoffs uh, started, or, or maybe ever. I don't, they told me that. It's in the record books in the OHSA, but I, 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 I think about four or five had the chance, but all of them kind of lost yes. at the second school. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I'm sure that's going to be bro- that's gonna be tied at least. Uh, and, and I don't know, if someone gets three at a school, I guess I'm the only one that has a shot for that right now. So hopefully that's, Hopefully I'm not going to get the chance to do that, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? And that, that obviously means I'm not the coach here anymore, you know. So <laughs> Yes, yes. All right. So, so, Coach, you're a pioneer. So, obviously, you know, winning at two different programs, what is that like? I mean, you, like you, you were able to articulate that, but what do you feel when you think about that? Like you sit back and you're just sitting in a room by yourself and you're like, oh, my God, I did this. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, the more, as I do get a little bit older, I, I, I really think more about it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't really think about it that much. Like I said, they told me after the 2015 title that that was the case, right on the field after. I didn't know. And uh, I, wow. I, I, was sort of, I was sort of shocked that, you know, that, that was the case. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of like, wow, really? The first, you know, that, that was the only one. And they said, yeah, in the history of Ohio high school uh, football, that hasn't happened. And, you know, so it got me thinking of the – you know, the, the team at Lake Catholic that won it in 2001, uh, a bunch of those guys now are, you know, in their mid to late 30s and, uh, you know, having families now. And I, you know, keep in touch with them all the time, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, the, the, you know, not go to their weddings and then they get married and have kids and send the pair, just, you know, text here and there, uh, but, but want to keep up to date. And, you know, that kind of shows how, how special that bond was. And I think even more so when you're young, you know, I think I was 29, 30 years old uh, as that coach. I wasn't that much older than those guys. And, uh, okay. you know, that, that you, you really feel that, um, you know, that connection kind of kind of throughout. And then, you know, to, 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 to go 14 years later and then do it again, then do it again a, a, a couple years after that, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you, you know, it's pretty good. And, I, and I'm sure – it's hard to do because a lot of coaches don't leave once they've won one at a certain school early, they might stay a long time. And I mean, there could be a, mm-hmm. a bunch of reasons why it hasn't happened, but um, uh, you know, now you look back and you go, boy, you were blessed to have really good players. You were best to do it at, at, at good programs. And uh, I think you start cherishing, you know, when you, when you have some tough losses in the playoffs, uh, like we've experienced the last couple of years in, in the last you know, on a two point play against men or on a team, you know, two years ago that I thought, uh, maybe maybe it was the best team in the state, and I, you know we were two in the state. Manor was one, and we were up with a chance called twenty-one nothing, and, and we we fell short. You start appreciating, you know, actually doing it because it's 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 a lot harder. You know, uh, when you when you lose, you realize, boy, that was difficult. And when you're kind of going through it and going on a run like the Buccaneers went this year, you know, uh, it, it's special when that happens. And when you're going through it, you don't realize how special it is until you kind of lose one. 
and you start going, man, it's harder than you think. Right. <laughs> yes, the reality sets in. That, that's the truth. So, all right. So you said Coach, the legendary Coach John Gibbons is your father-in-law. So That's right. How many years have you been married? Were you coaching with him when you were courting your your current wife? How, how did that work out? That that had to be yeah. awkward at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that, that was interesting. Uh, you know, I, her brother and I were, were best friends, basically, and I met him in college, and then I met her through him. And uh, he really was instrumental in, in getting me the late job when he left, you know, because I had, I had learned a lot of football from him just by – uh, be, being an assistant, I was a head basketball coach at university school uh, in basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, I was an assistant football coach. Well, I would go on anytime he, when he was the head coach at Lake and I was the assistant at U.S., I would always join him on uh, whether we went to go see, you know, we went, we went to Notre Dame, we went to Michigan, we went to Penn State, we went to Nebraska, you know, wherever it was, I would kind of join on those trips. And uh, we had a lot of fun while we learned some football. And I think just, you know, through that at that time, you know, we were kind of, you know, kind of dating. And then we got married in uh, 98, uh, you know, so right before I became the head, head football oh, wow. coach at Lake, right before he left for St. Ed. So, in fact, little, little uh, well, we played his first year at Ed's and my first year at Lake, uh, at Lakewood, sold out. Uh, they were one in the city and we were two in the city. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't remind them too often, but, but we beat them. 26-22. Oh, wow. It was, it, it was oh, wow. out of the game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, they had Troy Smith, uh, who ended up winning an I Heisman trophy, uh, you know, later on they had Sean Carty was, was young. They, it was his first year. They were younger and they were just kind of getting it rolling again. But, uh, uh, they, they had started off like, you know, two and O and we were two and O and, uh, you know, they kind of hiked the game up and made us both, you know, probably up there in the city. Uh, so it was, uh, it was, it was, it was one of the neatest environments to play in though. You know, Danny Coglin before the game with the, Fox A chopper and all that kind of stuff, you know. So <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's big time football. I don't care where you are. That's big time football. So that was a, a heck of an accomplishment. So talk about some of the the early lessons that you learned from him that you were able to take with you and that you you know still use today. Yeah, you know, the, the the biggest thing is I think where some young coaches maybe make, you know, go around, you know, you, you got to have fun, not only um, with you, with what you're doing and your staff, but the kids, you know, and I'm not saying, football is hard enough. And I remember one mm-hmm. time a, 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 a successful head coach right now at Madison Jackson was an assistant with me at Highland. And, and you know, he's kind of like, you know, and I, I remember telling him, Tim, I'm like, you know, we're not in the military here. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the kids are going to work hard enough that, that – they shouldn't even know how hard they're working because they want to be out there and they know how fun it is. And I, and I, and I think, you know, that's, that's what I saw him kind of do. You know, it was like, it it sort of just became like a, you know, start like a snowball and ended an avalanche, like where, how the program grew and that kind of thing. And uh, I think the coaches stay happier that way when they have some ownership and they're enjoying going to practice. And I like when I get that feedback that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a drudgery to coach, you know, Yes, we we discussed and we could have disagreements and all that kind of. But at the end of the day, if you can't laugh, you know, if you can't go have a beer, uh, you know, then it's it's kind of an, and I've seen that happen, and that that's not a good thing. So I think you know one thing I learned from him was that you know not only for yourself but but for how you operate the program, and then secondly, mm-hmm. I think he brought a, a sense of physicality and aggressiveness that you know another legendary coach, Coach Bill Guprod, who was the head coach at St. Joe's uh, when you were playing. 
uh, here yes. was also my assistant for years, and I've learned a ton from him. And it was the same type of idea. They had different styles, but, uh, you know, it was physical football. You, you were a joy to be around these guys. You respected them. And I think the kids kind of see that and feed off that. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say, like, outside of how offenses and defenses change and different techniques and how you're going to do that, I think those kind of things have sort of, sort of stayed the same. You know, you, if you're not going to be physical, if your kids aren't going to play hard, if they're not going to play with enthusiasm, if they're not going to play for each other, if they're not going to play for their school, uh, and, and if they can't enjoy doing that, you probably don't have a, you probably don't have a chance. But when those things are in place, uh, you know, then I think you see those great games, uh, 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 you know, because I think everyone that gets to the Final Four or championship game has, has that kind of program and culture. Okay, okay, all right. All right, so you take the head coaching job, your first head football coaching job in 2001. Prior to that, you like you said, you're a basketball coach. So when you're saying this, all I'm thinking is Coach Izzo from Michigan State, Back in the day, they would always have him on with the former coach at the, with the 49ers, and they would talk about, oh, you could transition into this. How hard was it transitioning from being a head basketball coach to a football coach? Great question, Chris. You know, that, that, that was – a lot of people kind of looked at me like they knew me as a basketball coach, and they're like, you're going to replace John Gibbons at Lake Catholic, you know, at the time who was – you know, the, 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 you know, the top coach in the state or the, for sure the area, you know. And, um, you know, it was – I was 27. It was pressure. It was 99, you know, and I kind of – it was a challenge to myself to see that I could do it. But I, I, I remember saying at the press conference, coaching is coaching. I think those, those intangibles I talked about in terms of how you run the program kind of permeate through a lot of the sports. Now, learning, mm-hmm. the, you know, knowing enough about the sport itself, I think it was valuable that I had a lot of good staff around me, and I had I, I was smart enough to hire good mentor coaches like Coach Cuprod was on my staff, who who had seen it and, and kind of been there. And because uh, if I had just all young coaches, you know, I, I I certainly wasn't as experienced, you know, in terms of the game and how to manage the game. And I look back, and I go, yeah, you know, uh, certainly, obviously, you made mistakes and and you did things. Uh, you know, schematically or, or install or, or, or things like that, that you're kind of like, boy, you know, it was just, it was just really lack of knowledge or, or negligence being young. But at the same time, I think it was made up for when you had veteran coaches on the staff that, that sort of understood. So we had a good mix. Uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't stress-free, you know, to get into a situation like that and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dealing with the dynamics of a, of, a, of a real successful program like Lake Catholic was, you know, who had won, you know, back-to-back state titles uh, less than a, a decade before that, you know. So uh, you, you just, you know, you kind of feel that, that you want to keep it going. And, and, and we did. And, I, you know, I was super proud of living up to the tradition of, of, of what they did there and what we continued to do. And, and uh, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of still continuing, if you will. And uh, I, I felt that that was, uh, you know, that was a, a great, great learning experience. Uh, you know, for, for taking over a program that was really successful, like a St. Ed, and kind of not rocking the boat too much. You know, it's kind of like, hey, guys, they've been doing really well. Let's, let's keep what we're doing well. But, of course, you've got to put your own stamp on it. And, you know, having that experience when I came here in 2015 after the winning, after, you know, Rick Fanati had a successful run and they were, mm-hmm. they were state champs in 2014, it's kind of like I kept a lot of the staff and uh, – kept guys associated with the program because, you know, it was going well. I, I, I had that experience of, of, of kind of coming in. Now, you know, there were some things that I, I, you know, wanted to see my way, I guess you'd look at it. But, 
you know, the, the overall culture and tradition and, and stuff like that, you know, was a little different. And, you know, having the third experience as a head football coach at Highland where I took over a program that had won one game the previous two years, I think, or, you know, three games over the last two years, something, something like that. Uh, and that was a whole rebuilding process, and that took a different mentality. And we ended up getting an $11 million stadium built there. We made the final eight. We made the final four. You know, we were ranked wow. in the top five in the state by the time I left. So, you know, that might have been the most challenging of all the coaching jobs. And, you know, if we'd have won that state title there in 2013, that kind of would have been maybe of, of, the, of the three. You know, that we lost to Glenville, tied at halftime, uh, who had a super, super team, of which Sean Lattimore is still playing. And uh, mm-hmm. Devin Riding went out to Indiana and was the all-time leading rusher at the time. Uh, I, you know, if, if we would have pulled that off, you know, that would have, that might have been, uh, but we were undefeated. We were 13 and all going into the game and, you know, and then ended up losing in that semifinal game at Byers. And, uh, but that would have, that, that was special just in and of itself to make that kind of run, you know, beating, uh, okay. Avon, Avon Lake, Maslin in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, when you start beating programs like that, uh, for an up and coming for, for an upstart program that hadn't had much success, you know, that, that, that's pretty cool. And a, yeah, a little known fact. Yeah. Mike Gibbons, who played for me on the 01 state championship team, who's my brother-in-law, is now the head coach at Highland. So, that's, oh wow, okay, oh yeah, it's a small world, yeah. yeah. So, what's it like when you guys get together in the summer? Is it all football, or, or do you find a way to get away from football? Yeah, or no, it's holidays. a lot of football. You know, <laughs> oh. my, my 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 buddy Tom is 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 an assistant at Lake Catholic now. His youngest brother, Marty. My father-in-law, John, has nine kids. Of course, I married the third oldest, Anne. And then all the boys except one. One's working at the Cleveland Clinic, Tim. But the other three boys are, are coaches. So Mike, like I said, played for me, uh, stayed at Lake Catholic when his dad came over here. And he was a senior captain, had a great career at Mount Union, Mike, on, this, on that state championship team I was talking about. And he's the head coach now at Highland where I left to come here. And Marty, the youngest one, who's now only 27 or 28 years old, He's now the head coach at Lake, and they had a great season this year uh, where they made the finals uh, in Division Four, but uh, they lost, you know, in that game. And his dad's helping him coach uh, and his oldest brother. So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, it, it, it kind of gets, uh, you know, sometimes you do want to just step away and enjoy your burger and, and, and talk about something else. But usually it reverts back to what everyone's doing in their programs and how you're handling certain things. And it's great to have those resources, too, because you, you – you know, as as I get a little older, you know, you, you start appreciating some of the younger guys in the business that sort of are, are doing some things maybe in a different way or seeing some things differently and associating with kids differently that, you know, you, you want to you stay up on. Uh, I think it's important to do that. Okay. All right. And then the final question about that is, do you guys have a chalkboard at the house? <laughs> no, we, we, we don't go that far, but oh, the old man used to wear out the napkins and uh, beer, you know, he, he, he was old school. And, you know, he, he's really getting older. I, I guess if you want to say that, you know, so, uh, but in his day, you know, that was, uh, it was pretty much all football, I, I'd say at, at that time. So 25 years ago, uh, I would say, yeah, you know what, when we got together, it was, that was pretty much what it was about. But, uh, you know, as, as we get older now, we kind of enjoy the, the time together and, uh, you know, do some definitely so we're we're not on a chalkboard drawing up plays but but like i said you know it, it, there, there's certainly uh that discussion and that bouncing of ideas and all that kind of stuff so uh which i think is important and it, and a good resource you know for for me to certainly have as well that's awesome that is awesome all right so education and sports coaching are important to you so 
explain why they are so important and the impact they can have on young people's lives. Are you saying uh, playing sports while you're in school? Yes, yes. But, well, just an education in general, just being yeah. able to get to another level of, uh, of a professional life, whether it's sports or non, non-sports. Oh, right. Well, I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. It goes without saying. I mean, I tell these kids, I was like, some of these kids, when they get here, they think, you know, they, they want the football scholarship and that's all they see. They, if they want to go to North Carolina State or Ohio State or School X, whatever it is, that full ride. And it's like, guys, the, the numbers are so limited that way. Even in football, you have the best shot in football, but uh, the numbers are so limited. You could get so much more money academically, you know, for a 1AA or Division two school or sometimes even Division three, where if you have great grades and, you know, fit financially in, 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 into some brackets where you, you can you could almost go for free. People, you could go to a fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars school and pay like six thousand dollars, and it's like, you know, what's a football scholarship? You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you're, you're you're playing football, you got great grades, you're, you know, you're you're going into a major at a great financial institution that you like, and yes, you're playing Division three football, but you're playing it for the love of the game, which is why you should be playing it anyways, and you know that's just as important to me. And people don't realize that. I tell them all the time, you know, for a division two school, they want the kid with the 4.0 or 3.8. They could give more academic money because they have a limited pool of football money. So they, they tack on the football scholarship on top of that. And, and you could almost go, you know, for nothing or for certainly less than a high school education, much less. Now, if you get the yeah. full ride room and board and everything, that's the goal of everyone. But just because that mm-hmm. doesn't happen, doesn't mean, that education uh, can't take you to college and get you still playing the sport that you love. And then, of course, whether you play any sport, uh, at some point at that you're going to be done. Even Michael Jordan had to finish, and LeBron James at some point, Tom Brady at some point going to be done. Now, the, the, the sport took him to a level that he probably doesn't have to work again if he doesn't want to. You know, he may want to, uh, you know, whether it's broadcasting or coaching. But for most of us, the vast, vast, vast 99.99% aren't going to get there. So that education you receive, even if you play at NC State uh, or Ohio State, is what's going to carry you after football's over, even if you play a year or two in the NFL. You know, so uh, I, I think that, um, you know, when you put the priority straight and really say, you know, yes, yeah, should, should, should college athletes be paid and, and, and how that's handled, you know, I guess there's some arguments that way, but in the end, if you if you really get a free degree and and use it wisely and while you're there and and get a degree that matters for you down the road, you got all the payment in the world because you should be able to get a great job coming out. Sean Crawford, who graduated from here, I don't know if he'll play in the NFL, but he's he's a captain in Notre Dame now. I just think you put captain in Notre Dame on any resume, you're about <laughs> at the top of the pool for a uh, you know when you apply for whatever whatever he majored in and wants wants to wants to keep going at you know so. Uh, we talk about that all the time to the, to the kids and understand the importance of that. And I get most disappointed when I get college coaches that come in where kids aren't performing to maybe their level they can academically in high school. And uh, I find some, you know, colleges, you know, care and they look at that, uh, you know, depending on the kind of player you are. But a lot, some just say, well, could he qualify and that kind of stuff. And I, I think the good ones, you know, they really want the kid that's excelling in almost everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And there's kids with every story. You know, some kids will come in and do poorly as a freshman because the adaptation to school is hard and that kind of thing. But if you see that upward trend where kids get it and start realizing the importance of it and carry that on to where they go to the next level, get that degree, 
get that degree, which is usable, that, they, that can help them in life, you know, why not use the sport? Why not use a talent to be able to do that? Because, you, you know, you can't – most people, even if you play in the NFL, it's four years. You're not playing after 26 or 27 years old. You've got to do something. Right. right. That is the truth. That is the truth. And, Coach, i got to brag about this. So I have an 18-year-old son, so he's a senior in high school. He mm-hmm. missed a perfect score on either his SAT or I, – I, I think it was the, uh, the SAT by about five points. So obviously wow. – yeah. So obviously we're getting letters from every school in the country. He doesn't play any sports. He doesn't bang his head. He doesn't pull any muscles. But he studies every day. So two weeks ago – the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill sent him a letter saying he got early acceptance into their honors program and everything's paid for. So that's my oh, brag wow. about education. So, you know, had I known that, I probably would have worked a little harder on the other side and I'd be able to walk <laughs> a little bit better and do some things. But the education part is so important. And, I, and, and like you said, a lot of kids, all they see are, I want a scholarship, I want to play football, I want to play in the NFL, but – when the NFL's over, when your playing days are over, what are you going to do? So, and, that, and that's, you know, you, get, you well, have to sell that. That, that. that is a great story. You know, in fact, my oldest son was in the same boat. He didn't play. My youngest son is playing at John Carroll right now. Uh, I have four children, two boys, two girls. And so my two oldest are boys. But my oldest guy is, was in the same boat. Graduated from here with a 4.4 or 5. Uh, had a bunch of, a bunch of different things. Ended up taking, he got a, it was in an honors program at, at Cleveland State. We go down there and so impressed. He has no – like, it's completely free. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like getting a football scholarship. I didn't even know that existed. You know, like, I mean, no. I didn't even, I didn't even know that existed until, <laughs> uh, until that came in. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, all these kids are battling and lifting these weights. And, and then, you know, when I see on the other end of me trying to get these other kids more money, you start realizing when the coaches come in, at a Gannon or a Mercyhurst or, a, or, 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 or an Ivy League school, you know, what are, what are their great – like, you know – how about that? You know, like, okay, you're not uh, per se a D1 athlete, even though the Ivy League is D1, but okay, you could go to Harvard. Uh, you know, you, you got a choice between, a, let's say, a Mac school or, or Harvard, and you have great grades that you could get accepted there and play there, and, you know, th- that's pretty much all covered. You know, what do you do? I mean, it, that's a great, you know, there's no right answer, there's no wrong answer, but it certainly should be a discussion and thought about, you know, like in terms yes, of, yes. all right, uh, you know, where, where does it take you long term? You know, let's say you just play for college, but even if you make the NFL, what's the, you know, like what, what still is about more beneficial? So, I, I you know, I think that that's uh, and and we have three recent grads playing in the Ivies right now. We have two at Penn and one just signed this year at, at Brown University. So, uh, nice. and we got one at Cornell too. Uh, that that uh, is probably a junior now. So, uh, that that's uh, that's awesome stuff. Okay, that's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So back to your coaching. So how long did it take you to settle in and, and just learn your coaching identity? I know, like you said, 2001, it, it's your first head coaching job. But how long did it take you to settle in and learn what your identity would be? Well, I think it's still always evolving. You know, I, I think it's still even evolving now. And I, you know, I, I, I mentioned, I alluded earlier, I'm Italian and you know, you, you react and you, you're, you're more emotional maybe than, than some. So I, I would say you, you wear that on your sleeve in coaching. And I was, but I'll tell you one thing I noticed. Uh, you know, over here, I'm probably less, you know, crazy and, 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 and wild on the football field 
than when I was at a smaller school. And the reason is there's so much competition amongst players here. We have, you know, we have 200 kids playing in the program. We, we might have 40, you know, 40 some seniors next year. That's, we've had teams of 40 some seniors. Well, I think the kids kind of have the pressure anyways of competing against each other that, you know, I, they don't need an added pressure from the coach of, uh, you know, they know their spots in jeopardy, you know? So I, I, I think I find myself more uh, here, you know, as, as working with the coaches and, and, you know, I still love the coach quarterbacks and I call the plays, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm less, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, more of a ment- you know, I, I, I more talk to the kids than where, let's say in Highland when we had, you know, 13 seniors or 18 seniors, and it's kind of like, all right, we don't have any backups for these guys. Well, I motivated those guys, motivated those guys a little bit differently. Like, they, they were the only guys, so I had to be more in their face and more. Not that I'm not that way, you know. I just noticed uh, there's a different pressure on the kids when they know they have to compete. That they're, not that other kids didn't give it there all the time, but, you know, sometimes if you know you're the man, you know, you, you could take some plays off or in practice, maybe you don't feel like it that day as much. Well, you know, in those days, I would, you know, that would be, you know, I, 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 there'd be some annex going on if that was the case. You know, over here, all you got to say is, hey, you know, if you were doing that, I'll just put your back up in there, you know. I mean, now, there's still some guys that are good enough that, you know, that, that doesn't matter. But there's a bigger majority here that that backup is more than capable and wants the spot, you know. So if that guy ahead of him isn't working as hard, that's, that's a heck of a motivation right, right in itself, you know. Now, for the super, yeah. super one, you know, there's still you might have to have some different techniques and, you know, some of that includes stocking them. Some of that includes maybe bringing them in. So I, I'd say that's one thing that, you know, I, I, I've noticed. I'll tell you another thing, Chris, that I've noticed has changed since I had kids. You know, like I've noticed since I had kids, I'm much more understanding of kids. You know, just something natural. Uh, you know, when I, was, when I was 27, I had no kids. When I first started coaching at 24, you know, I'm, I'm a wild maniac screaming, yelling. I think kids, you know, I didn't understand. Well, I started having my own kids and seeing, you know, sort of how, how some, you know, four different ones, seeing how they react differently to different things and realize, you know, there's different ways to motivate. So I've become a much better coach since I've become a parent, you know, for, for nice. sure, I think. Nice. Nice. That is nice. That's that whole, you know, you're single parent hanging out with a, a bunch of fathers that have kids, and they're always, oh, they got advice all day long. And then they have their kids, and then they're looking <laughs> yeah. at you with this deer in the headlights and asking for suggestions. So, yes, you, I totally get that. <laughs> you got that. I, I totally, I, you know, I understand that. I, you know, you're young. You have all the answers. You know how to motivate kids. You know this. and This kid should be that. Well, you start understanding when you when you have your own kids. Yeah, some parents, some kids can't really get here because their mom really can't take them. You know, like what am I going to do? Yeah, make right. the kid? I mean, I mean, it's not his fault. You know, I mean, and, and it, you start. You know, if that's truthful. Now, you know, sometimes kids could fib and use that. As, but if it's truthful, it's not the kid's fault. You know, you that kid that kid probably feels bad enough. You know, if he walked in five or ten minutes late uh, because his ride couldn't get him here. You know, and, and I. So I used to be a little bit more like that. Not that I, I'm not stressing the idea of punctuality. There's no reason if a kid's from school and he's late to practice, if, he does, if he's not getting extra help. That's about the only reason. But if they're coming from outside and, 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 and as long as they stay accountable, if they email or text me and, you know, let me know what's going on, uh, you know, that's fair. That's what you're trying to teach them. You know, you can't blame their mom if their dad if, you know, something happened. You know, I mean, well, Maybe it's a, maybe when I didn't have kids, I didn't understand. But now I realize, like, oh, something happened. You know, my daughter's begging me to get the track practice on time, and I pull in two minutes late. I'm embarrassed. You know, I was like, 
in my mind, I'm yes. going like, geez, this coach is probably being like, what? you know, so I'm cognizant of it from the parents' perspective as a coach, you know, but I also see it the other way, you know. Uh, so that's uh, that, that, it's a neat, neat kind of thing to have. Even as I watch my kids grow up and play, you know, uh, I, I see, you know, through youth ball and, and coming up and, I coached my son in youth basketball when we won the city championship. I was, I was super proud of that. You know, I mean, but the, the, the point was, I, you know, I, you start getting a sense of how to push buttons, but as, a, as, my, as my own kids play for other people, I, I realize sometimes they're not the most well-versed, but how could I stay positive in it? Like, you know, you hear parents complain and all that, and it's kind of like, let the kids enjoy it. Like, you know, like you don't want them doing that to you. Why would you do that? Even when you know better to them, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's not their job. They're just dads or, or moms just helping out on a team. And you see some of these, mm-hmm. you know, people that act like wackos, uh, you know, in these things. And it's kind of like, geez, let, let the kid develop a little bit. Let the kid kind of step away. Let the kid, you know, make some mistakes. Let, let the kid kind of grow on his own, see what they like to do. And, and I was one that encouraged my kids to do everything, you know, the specialization. I find that, you know, going in another trend, like, you know, it not only injuries, but just health, you know, there was something when we were kids, to, you know, that we played football, then basketball, then baseball, or and then summer was this, and then we didn't start football till this time. Well, now football's all year round and everything. I mean, you know, there's weightlifting now for kids that don't play any sport. Well, I still encourage kids to do multiple things. And, and with my own kids, I didn't have them specialize in anything. Like, they weren't going to camps for baseball all year long, or they weren't going to basketball-only stuff and playing AU. They played in their season and then moved on just like how we did when we grew up because yes. I, I, I feel like in the end they're about in the same spot, but they had a much better time doing all that. You know, they're, they're, they weren't pressured and it wasn't like they were, you know, had to be at this training and that training. And I, I know some kids like to do that and that's great, but I see a lot of kids that kind of grow up when they're 12 and then all of a sudden they don't even play the sport anymore. If it's, let's say baseball, or basketball, for example, they, they burn out. They, they don't even like it by the time they're 15. You know, so I wanted to teach mine, and I think the kids should be competing. I think that's valuable. Certainly, you have to you have to lift a measure of weights uh, to be, you know, to compete at the level we play with in football because you're putting yourself in danger if you don't. But, um, you know, generally, man, I, I want to see a kid on a foul line, uh, you know, in the closing seconds of a game, or see him guard a, a great athlete in basketball, or see him up the plate, you know, when it, there's two outs and it's you know three two in, in the bottom of a, the seventh inning, or see him pitch. You know, and, and, and uh, you, you kind of see how they react in those situations and know, hey, this kid could handle some pressure. This kid, you know, has trouble yes. handling pressure. And, I, I, you know, play hockey and skate for two straight minutes. I mean, that's, that's pretty good stuff if you can compete and do that well. <laughs> and not to, not to mention our, our wrestling here and everything else. Even rugby. Mm-hmm. You know, some coaches are opposed to play rugby. I'm like, hell, everyone's teaching rugby tackling now. You know, like, they want to go run around and tackle out there. I, why not? What else would you be doing? You know, you're lifting weights and you're going running and tackling people. Good enough for me. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll teach you in there. If that's, you know, why stop a kid from doing it just to say you need to be right here, you know, doing our weight training program. It just, and I think having a, a coordinated strength coach in our program of all sports really helps. And we got a great one. And so I, 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 I'm looking at my roster right now. I got every kid listed in our program, their attendance for weightlifting uh, and what other sport they play and their attendance in that sport. So I, all I got to do is look, you know, the kids just got to come in and say, well, you, I play lacrosse, I play, you know, we don't have a ton of lacrosse guys, but rugby, whatever it is, baseball. I say, okay, you've been going to this, this, and this, and you're competing in sport, you're good. Um, yes. You know, you got a kid good. that isn't playing any other sport and has, you know, two check marks out of 
you know, out of, out of 15, you know, per session. And it's kind of like, okay, I, should you even be playing football? Like what's your reasoning for not coming? So, you know, I think keeping track of kids too is, uh, and if they know they're, you're doing that, you kind of know who's dedicated and uh, it, encourages them to, it encourages them to play other sports too because it's like, all right, I know that they're in that sport competing and getting better. And uh, while they can make it an effort to lift, even if it's twice a week within that sport, you know, to me, that's what you should do in high school. If you can, you get caught in some sports, yes. but you know, some you could play. Why not go, go try and get better. That's awesome. That is totally awesome. I love that. I love that. All right. Let's talk state titles. Um, I, and I know like, you brought up the Highland. You said that if had you won that, that would have probably been the biggest accomplishment, but of the three, and you can't give me the coach speak saying, oh, they're all great. <laughs> Which one, if you had to select one and say, I want to do this one over again, is there one that you can select and say, this is it? Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you a coach speak answer because I, I think, you know, the first <laughs> one's always, the first one is always the first one. You know, so when you do, when you do something first in your career, that, that's hard to forget. And those kids, and you were so young. However, winning one at St. Ed's my first year here, was something special, and we almost were national champs that year. We lost by two points in New Jersey. Yes. We had a brutal schedule there. I could talk about that season all day long. That team was so special, and that was probably the best team, you know, uh, that ended up I, that I've been around coaching. And then, you know, the 2018 team, we started 0-2 and uh, ended up going on a, a legendary run to win it against teams that were like, you know, the playoff run was unbelievable that year. Uh, we needed to beat Moeller week nine to get in. We needed we lost to Ignatius week ten. We played him again in week eleven, and beat him. Then we played Euclid week twelve. We played Menor, who was number one in the state week thirteen. We played Olentangy uh, week fourteen, and then we played Colerain in the state championship. They were fourth in the country. You know, so you wow. you know I I that's I would like to see a team from another state go on go go five straight games, six straight games like that, and go you know five and one in those games uh, or six and one. Uh, in seven straight games like that. Normally, there's two or three games in there, you know, in the first couple rounds maybe that are breathers. We, there were no breathers, you know, in that run. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, so the best one, you know, probably, you know, the first one because it was the first, but they were all, they really all, you know, were were, were awesome. And, and I'll tell you, uh, the quarterback, not known as really a passing team, but I, I do know this fact, uh, we set some records. The first state title, we had a sophomore quarterback. He ended up 21 and 26 in the state. I remember this clearly for 300 yards passing. Uh, Jimmy Keefe set the division, still the division one record for passing in, in a, against the Huber Heights waiting team that was awesome in 2015. He was 24 34 for 434 yards, and uh, I think he had two or three touchdowns. And then Garrett Zero, when we won in 2018, was 12 of 12. He didn't have an incompletion mm-hmm. in the. So we 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 completed like eighty percent of our passes in the in the state title games. So at the at the height of like the pressure, uh, when we needed to do it most, you know, we were most on, and 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 that was pretty cool. And, and I wouldn't consider myself like a throwing coach. Like we're you know we're we're a run first team, and we mostly run the ball. But you know, I think sometimes at that level, when when you have to beat the the team that's really good at that level, and you just can't maul them because it's like with like talent wise, yeah, you, you obviously have to have the ability to do. Uh, to be multiple and and uh, you know we, we you know we did it. Uh, I think that's what balances. You know, if, if they give you the pass, can you take it? If they give you the run, can you take it? And if you if you could do that, then it, you know the, the, then the stats don't matter how much you run or pass. It just means that you could do it when you have to. 
you know, and I, I think those teams that are able to do that are, are the best. So, you know, my, my, my son was a senior in the 2019 team that I said, we lost to Menor. We were 11-2 and two and lost two games yes. to Menor. The first game of the year, 29-28, and the last game of the year, 36-35 in overtime. Well, that team was as good as any of the teams, you know, just didn't win it. And maybe if my kid was on the team and we had won a state title that year, you know, maybe I would have said because of that, you know, that, that's hard to that, – that's a moment that, you, you know, that would just be unbelievable. So, but we didn't do it. So, <laughs> you know, of the three, each one kind of has their, has their place uh, in my heart. Okay. All right. Now, COVID has changed life in general, but it's, it's, it's changing the coaching profession. So how has that adjustment been for you? Yeah, boy, you know, I, it's funny. I was just talking to Coach Flan this morning. They they got a, they had a couple games canceled this week, and now they're in the tournament. They're just waiting for the tournament to start next Friday. Uh, so they have like 10 days yeah. off, you know. And and he said sort of the JVs just ended on a cancellation with no other game scheduled. And, you know, in order not to risk the program, sorry, he doesn't want to schedule some out. And I kind of felt the same way with, with, with COVID. You know, there were times during it that it felt normal, I guess, or like normal times. And then there were other times you knew, boy, this is not the same. Like, the first few games, we didn't take buses. You know, we had the kids drive with their parents or themselves at a game. Well, that was bizarre. I never – we didn't use locker rooms all year long. There's not a game that I – you know, there's not – I never remember not going into a locker room for a game or pregame and, um, you know, giving the kind of a wow. pregame talk like that. Uh, you know, so I, I think when you when you put all that together, it, it you know, it, the kids never having that bonding time in the locker room, you know, they kind of changed and then put their stuff on the track and – kind of got to their spot on the field, you know, it, that made it feel a little bit less than, you know, but we, you, you made your way through it. We ended up taking buses as it went on later. And like I said, once practice started, it kind of felt the same, but you knew there was always something in the back of your mind that said, Oh, this could happen. That could happen. You know, uh, are, are they wearing the mask properly? Are they, you know, there was always some added, you know, pressure to just, I don't want to say pressure, added burden to the, to the hard enough burden of trying to win a football game against, you know, great competition. So, uh, you know, you feel bad. We, we didn't even have a closing banquet really, or, 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 or awards that it kind of just ended and you could have still played games after it ended. Like if you, so we were like, geez, I, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to plan for that. You know, we don't want to plan it then, but when, you know, we lost earlier than we wanted to this year. And it's kind of like, all right, we have a meeting. You guys want to play another game? If someone will play us, you know, we couldn't find anyone to do it, but, you know, it was like some guys were saying, yeah, they wanted to. Some said they didn't want to. You know, so it was it was just bizarre. You know, like, I mean, nor- yeah. it doesn't end like that normally. Usually when it ends, it ends. And You know, uh, <laughs> right. so uh, I think for not, – not to mention the protocols during games of supposedly trying to stand a distance apart on the sidelines, which, you know, I mean – you, you watch all these NFL games on college game. No one's really doing that, but you know, you kind of, you kind of got to go through and, 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 you know, it's kind of like, look, we're practicing every day together. They're in school together. We're playing and hitting each other on the field. You mean to tell me like the, the problem's going to be on the sidelines when the kids, you know, it's like, if, if that's the biggest danger, then we better not play in general. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, that is hilarious. But those, those are the, those were the main things I noticed. So I, I, I really do hope that it's not like that again. And not to mention the spectators of games, you know, like uh, that, 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 you know, when just the parents could come in a lot of the games, you know, that, that kind of, you know, we had some great games this year. It would have been some great environments and some great, you know, just, 
just kind of having empty stadiums. Uh, not that you know. Yeah, again, you kind of you got used to it, but it's it was surreal. Like it was kind of like okay, you know. Um, and once the game started, you're playing and and you're not worried about that. But you know, we played Ignatius at Cleveland Brown Stadium, and there was just parents there. You know, like kind of like all right, we're in this huge stadium, and you know, like the NFL played. You know, they played their games with no fans. So it was the same kind of experience. Uh, I, I, it just you know you it, I, you feel you felt bad. And I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the biggest thing, Chris, where it's hurting the kids most is the college recruiting, the transfer portal. And the fact that coaches can't iron on the roads and there was no camps last year, it is it is going to be very difficult for uh, you know these juniors to be seniors uh, to get the scholarships uh, that they would have got, maybe gotten before. And I've talked to some college coaches about this, as well as uh, you know the, the, not to mention the kids that just graduated this year. So kids really got to be proactive on their own and send their stuff out and get noticed. Uh, I just saw they canceled spring recruiting, you know, this year, the April 15th date. The coaches are not allowed on the road. And hopefully Jeez. June 1st uh, they can start doing that again. So here you go. When we'd have hundreds, a hundred at least, coaches that would come in and watch our kids work out and get to know them and see them in person, that's all gone by the wayside. So it's just based on your film. And, you know, it's kind of like, all right, there could be five guys there for their spots. I guess they could go up and have them up on campus, you know, and visualize them that way or do a virtual one. But, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I think some of them are safer. They say, well, there's a kid in the portal. He's already in college. Let's go that route as opposed to giving a, a scholarship to a kid that we don't know 100% about, you know. Um, so I, right. that's just my gut feeling on that. But ho- hopefully that's not the case for the high school kid's sake. But I kind of have a feeling it's going down that, uh, that run. It is. It's brutal. That transfer portal is brutal. And also the fact that most of the kids that played last year, if they decide, you know, even the seniors, if they decide they want to play another right. year, they have that option. So it's like, where That's are the right. scholarships coming from? Why would I even bring a, a high school senior, unless he's remarkable, onto my campus? It, it makes no sense. So yeah, you that's got tough. It. That that's, is that's, really um, tough. So when you, when you talk about COVID, you know, that's the that that may be the biggest impact that you know COVID but you know uh, what do you call it kind of offshoot of having COVID unintended consequence of the COVID you know not to mention how crazy the games were and uh, you know the different protocols you know that that COVID impacted directly but this is indirectly COVID's impacting Mm -hmm. yes yes and also for you and your staff your organization skills You had to realize, you know, you had to tighten those up because so many times, I, I guess you guys would do meetings, virtual, and all these other mm-hmm. things, and you just you have to be a little more accountable for where the kids are. How is that? Difficult. Um, it's hard for a high school kid to stay uh, focused on a Zoom meeting. Um, <laughs> there's something about having them in person. You know, I think the NFL – it, it probably worked a lot better, uh, but I don't think it's the way to go with 16-year-olds. Um, right. Uh, it just, you know, it, it, we did it, and, you know, we probably met less, you know, than we, than we did preseason-wise. Well, we didn't meet at all, really, unless it was Zoom, because we weren't allowed to, you know, be in person mm-hmm. and do that. So a lot of the install was just on the field. Um, we wow. probably could have done a better job of organizing it Zoom-wise, you know, early on, once we knew we couldn't meet, and we kind of figured that out later as, 
all right, this is how we're doing classrooms. Here we go. But, you know, you got to get that material up. You got to, you know, you can't walk through physically with the guys. Well, they haven't done it before, you know, looking at it on a video and actually, you know, being able to stand there and walk through and understand and ask questions, you know, not, not in my same. opinion, you know, it's better than nothing, but it wasn't, you know, it's not the same as being in a meeting room with, you can look guys in their eyes and ask questions uh, of kids and get responses, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All right, Coach. Shameless plug time. So I need you to brag about your program. Let's say I'm the best grade school player in the state. So why is St. Ed's the school and athletic program for me, and what makes it better than any other school in the state? That's great, Chris. I, this one I have no problem doing. You know, that, that's easy. I, we do this every day. Um, you know, when you, put, when you put athletics, academics, uh, and, and just spiritual and moral growth, and again, speaking as a parent, Mike, like I, I don't, you know, if you want to play at the top level of any sport, if you, you do it at St. Ed's. If you, want to, if you want to get a great education as good as anywhere, you can do that at St. Ed's. Well, what other school can you do both? You know, it, just in football alone, we were the team of the decade from 2000, for the 2010s. We had four Division I state titles. And I say, when you win the Division I state title, you can't do any better. Like, that, that's it yeah. in Ohio football. Like, you, it, when you win that, that's the top you could sign up for. So uh, to be named the Max Preps team of the decade, we're a Nike elite team. Forty schools in the country have it. We got two new sets of uniforms last year. We get a free set this year of an alternative. We get two other sets coming up in the sixth year. The kids get all free uh, tennis shoes, workout clothes as it comes in. Plus, there's a stipend wow. Nike gives that we could buy all kind of Nike gear and, and sell it at a, at a cheaper. Just give it to the kids if we want. So, um, you know, that's, a, that's, that's really special to be, to be part of that and be recognized as, as part of that, you know, kind of program. And the tradition speaks for itself. You know, when you, when you come here, uh, you know you've challenged yourself against the best. And if you accomplish, you know, being a, a, a starter on one of these great teams, it's a brotherhood that never goes away uh, that these kids come back and talk about all the time. Most of them say they enjoyed their high school experience more so than the college experience, you know, um, you know, and just, uh, just, just that development and, and that feel of what they had, you know, playing here. And these are kids that play in the big time, not just, you know, not just playing uh, at a, let's say a division three school or something like that. But so uh, I, I think, you know, when you, when you see that and you see the tradition, you see the kids we put at the college, we have like 56 players that have graduated over the last like four or five years. We have the, the number, represented at like, I don't know, 20-some 20, 20 schools, some of which are captain that are playing college football. Uh, that's, wow. that's amazing when you think about it. Like you have that many that kids is. playing college football. You know, like it's uh, – uh, so we give that to the eighth graders when they come in to say, you know and, – and these are schools that range from Ivy to Big Ten to, Scott, to Division three to Division two, many of whom become captains. Uh, you know, so uh, I, I think just the training you get, uh, you know, being here and, and playing for this program – like I said, you, maybe you could equal it somewhere, but you can't top it. Like you, 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 you know, you, you can't beat it. And you, and you have it if you live in Northeast Ohio, and that's what you want. Then it's a no-brainer. You know, it's a, it's a no-brainer. But you tell the kids, look, you got to compete. You know, there's a lot of coaches that'll say, well, you know, you could come here and play. You won't play there as a freshman, or you won't play there. So you could start here. 
And uh, kind of like I say, well, okay, that sounds great if, you, if that's your goal, but you know, what, what's that saying about the team you're going to? <laughs> if I'm telling you you're going to play <laughs> freshman ball and you have to develop and here's the schedule we're playing and someone else is telling you that you're going to play varsity as a freshman, you know, are you really playing varsity? You know, like at what level are you playing then if that's the case? And, it, and like I said, I have nothing wrong. With, I went to a small school. I have nothing wrong with people choosing that. It's just that if you want to challenge yourself against the best and, and probably be the best that you can be, then it's a place like this that you have to come to. And I think we do it as well or better than anyone in Ohio. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'd sign up for that, Coach. I like that. There you go. I we'll take that. you. I love that. <laughs> All right, before we go, is there anything that I overlooked or, or forgot to ask you or anything that you would have asked yourself? No, you know, I think, Chris, just being a St. Ed's grad, I'm, I'm just honored to, to kind of represent the school and, and be on there. And I always kind of talk about the four pillars of the school, you know, faith formation, relationship development, excellence, and servant leadership. And when you add that component in everything that the kid does when they get here, you know, I, I'm like, I don't have to look any further for our mantra in sports is to say, look, if I could develop kids that are servant leaders, if we could create excellence, I always say if you chase perfection, you'll catch excellence as a Vince Lombardi line. But that's what we want to do. You know, excellence means the state. That's all we have is the state champion. There's no league. There's no – it's the state championship. If, if the kids develop in their faith a little bit, whether that's, you know, through their service or, or through what they do, uh, you know, uh, through, the, through church, uh, through going to mass here, but just also just faith in each other and faith in a, uh, of working together as a team. You know, and then just this brotherhood that every, they, we all talk about all the time is relationships. You know, these relationships should be strong and developed and should be something that should last a lifetime. To me, if you could do those four things, like what, you know, the, the, the record and the, the, the titles and the wins, are they're all going to take care of itself. So I, I just really focus on those four and really try and make everything we do kind of focus back on that. And if you can do that, the rest takes care of itself. The kids have a great experience. And, uh, you know, it, when you hold that trophy at the end, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. But, you know, the ball's oblong and bounce is funny. And sometimes certain things just happen in certain games that don't allow you to do it. But you're no, you, you got no less out of the experience because our focus was on those other things, not necessarily just the state title. Lovely. That is uh, – Coach, you're one of my favorites. So uh, I, I keep the state title tradition rolling. We need more. We always need more. St. Ed's is going to ask you for more. And hopefully you'll stick around and you'll only win at two different places. So for me, this has been awesome. So to to finally take time to talk to you, I I thank you for coming on and sharing your story on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. If there's anything in the future you need me to do, please don't hesitate to call. You have my number. Chris, you're one of the best here. I appreciate all the support you give uh, your, your school.